0: Of our series of personal relationship with Almighty God, I want to talk about a theme that's very dear to my heart. He dwells with us. He dwells with us. And then I want to add, He dwells in us. He dwells with us and He dwells in us. See, as Jesus' earthly ministry was winding down, He began to teach about the Holy Spirit. He began to teach on the Holy Spirit. He began to. Tell the disciples about the Holy Spirit's importance. He told them, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you another comforter. And it's interesting, he said another comforter, which indicated that they had a comforter. Yes. And we know that was Jesus. While Jesus was in his earthly ministry, he comforted them. He was with them. But notice, he never called the Holy Spirit an it. Uh, I could call this paper an it. You know, it's made of blue color and black color, it. But I, I won't call you an it. If I call you an it, that's an insult. You, you're a person, a living entity. And we have to respect that. So the Holy Spirit's not an it. It's not a force. It's not a feeling. You might feel when He's close to you. because I feel when my wife is close to me. Yeah, especially when she's correcting me at home. If I don't clean a plate, I feel her presence. I feel her words, like right here. Clean those plates now! So you can feel the presence, but that don't mean I call it an it, a force. If I call my wife an it, that's it. (laughs) I'm it. (laughs) I'm in the doghouse. But the truth of the matter is is the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. John John chapter 14, verse 18 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive... Because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. Notice it doesn't say it, it's Him. The Spirit. And, and you know, we get confused many times when we hear the Spirit. Because, see, God is Spirit. See, we are human beings. We have, we're flesh and blood. But we're actually a spirit body inside this particular unit. God gives us this unit so we can interface with this earth realm. But we are an eternal being in a temporary existence in this body. But Jesus said... He says, the world doesn't know him, cannot receive him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Notice, in Jesus' earthly ministry, he tells him, you know him because he's with you. Jesus was with him. He said, but he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So our worship, I love it, and I think it was Brother Tony said it earlier. Our worship includes everything we do, not just here. Let's worship the Lord and suddenly okay, let me worship. Right? No, I'm worshiping in my job on Monday as I'm serving as I'm serving my constituents. I'm worshiping, I'm worshiping my Lord when I'm on a date. I'm on a date. I'm worshiping the Lord when I make a business transaction. I'm worshiping the Lord when I'm on the train. My lifestyle is a lifestyle of worship. Because it's worth ship, it's giving value to Almighty God in everything that I do. I'm ascribing value and worth to my God. In everything I do. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit, with our relationship with the Holy Spirit. You don't just relate with the Holy Spirit on Sunday. It's an everyday experience, an everyday journey. The Holy Spirit is with you and lives in you and the train when you're going downtown. Rush hour. How many of you just love rush hour and the train? No? Okay. I don't either. (laughs) It's something about the train on Russia. I just, ah, I feel, I feel, I, I get the anointing of the sardine in the sardine can. That's how I feel. Oh. But the bottom line is the Spirit of God is with me there. Spirit of God is with me when I'm going through my difficulties, my challenges, when I'm upset, when I'm angry. He lives in me. So it's a journey. He's with you every day of our life. It was necessary for Jesus to come to earth to be the Son of Man and redeem us on the cross. But once He accomplished His ministry as the Lamb of God, He went back to the Father. He says, necessary that I go back, but it, it's actually advantageous that I go back. See, He said He promised us He would never leave us comforters. He would come to us in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, this Helper would teach us all things we needed to know or need to know in life to succeed. And He would live in us. So the next verse I want to share is John 14, 25 and 26. He said this, Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, that word Helper, Paraclete, one who comes alongside and helps you, who the Father was sent in my name, He will teach you all things. He'll bring to your memem- remembrance all things that I said to you. So not only will He be with us, will He live inside of us, He will be our teacher. He'll be our mentor. He'll be a guide. Then it says here, He will teach us all things, but also bring to our remembrance the things we need at the moment that we need them. See, it's important that you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's our teacher. If we don't have a relationship with our teacher, we won't get the full extract or the the full mentorship from our teacher. Let's go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, 8 and chapter 2, 1 through 4. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Another thing the Holy Spirit gives us is power. That word is the Greek word dunamis, which means miraculous, explosive power. So according to the word right now residing in you is miraculous, explosive power. It says, you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now notice, it says we will not only be our witnesses in the place where we dwell, but he'll give us an expansive ability to minister to people outside of our comfort level. Then why is it that most Christians never break out of that and always want to remain in their comfort level? because we really don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, by His very nature, will expand you. He'll expand your horizons. He'll expand your thinking. Listen, just the fact that I work in a place where I have people from Croatia, from Montenegro, from South and Central America, from China, from Japan, it's expanded my mind. I no longer think El Barrio. Really, I was raised in El Barrio, I was raised in West Harlem, So that was my little world. But as I meet other people, I start uh, listening to their customs, their ways of thinking, it expands me. And, watch this, As as I relate with them, now I start honoring some of the things that are indigenous to their nature. And they start talking to me and asking me questions about my nature about my background, about my culture. And we are enriched, both of us, because we are now expanding our understanding of, of a worldwide culture. Sometimes I speak to some of my Muslim friends and we talk and, and I try to understand where they're coming from. Why are they so angry? Some of them uh, who live over there never have come to the United States or some that have come but they're always criticizing capitalism and all these other things. I, I ask them, why? See, because I'm here, I don't understand. I'm not sensitive to their concerns because I never felt their concerns. So it's amazing some of the things they say. You know, we've been bad in in a lot of areas, the United States. So we need to correct some stuff. There's some fraying of the nerves. There's some out-and-out mistreatment. So when they say it from their perspective, I I try to open up and say, wow, if I was in that condition, I might also be complaining or criticizing. You know. And then um, I get out of my uh, little... Uh, my little job and network uh, and now God's giving me an increased network. They want me to go now and teach in Philadelphia and next, next month. And, and I appreciate that because it's taking me to a different group of people. And then they threw this at me. <laughs> uh, they want me to teach it in Spanish. And now we're not talking Christianese. See, I can go to a church and and, and preach in Spanish and teach in Spanish because I know the biblical Spanish words, most of them. And then my my, my Christian family, they're patient with me, and I tell them, if I don't know a word, I tell them, could you translate this word for me? That's what I do sometimes. I don't try to fake it. You know, so many of us Spanish folk, we just fake it if we don't know it. You know, uh, we don't know Rufo, we'll just say Rufo. (laughs) If we don't know Chance, we say, dame un chance. I mean, you know, my Argentinian friends, they hear us talking and say, you guys really, you mess up your language. Really. You know, we, we don't say like aldera; we say El boiler. You, you understand? Oh. <laughs> so, you know, but, but when, I, when I meet some of, of my other Spanish folk from different countries and I hear the language, I say, wow, that, that's rich. It's, I, I love it. It, it. it gives me permission to become more. But it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. When you're in relationship with the Holy Spirit, He'll show you a whole new world. And this is an ongoing journey. I love it. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just that I showed up on Sunday and visited Him. He came in with me and He left with me. He went back. He When I went to have dinner, He was with me and is with me and will always be be with me. And He promised He'd never leave me nor forsake me. Hallelujah. This is in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance for the first time they were filled with the spirit now the comforter wasn't with them now the comforter dwelt within them so consequently, from that time on, the believers would seek a relationship with the Holy Spirit, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, their life would change. And, and they would start hearing from God, they would get unique experiences and wisdom and strength when they needed it. So I love it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 13, uh, Peter had, actually had to get up and explain what was happening because they thought everybody was drunk because the way they were acting. Verse 13, others mocked it. And they said, these people are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, he raised his voice to them. He said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it came to pass, or rather shall come to pass, in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Another thing about the Holy Spirit, He'll speak to you and give you words for other people. Sometimes He'll show you insight as to your future or the future of somebody else. There are gifts of the Holy Spirit that are meant not for you but for the people that you're around, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, gift of miracles. See, gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, gift of prophecy, gift of discerning of spirits, many, many gifts, gifts of administration, gifts of mercy, my God, shepherding gifts. I mean, incredible amount or array or diversity of gifts. You can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and you'll see some of the different manifestations. And he says, but it's all the same spirit that gives these gifts. So depending on who you are, depending who he created you to be, you will have gifts um, so that you could be effective in your calling. Amen. So the Holy Spirit then to us is God with us. is God in us. He's our mentor. He's our teacher. He's our advisor. And He's our healer. He's our healer. But also He created us in Job 33 for the Spirit of God made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So who's the Holy Spirit? Your Creator. What better person to get to know is one who created you? My God, if He created me, He knows why He put this in me, why I have a particular bent in life, why I have a particular perspective, why I think this way, why do I emote a certain way? He'll know, because He made us. And He'll also know the things that messed us up as we were children, that hurt us, that wounded us, and He'll be able to point out to you things that you have to let go of. And since he, since he knows how He formed you, He'll lead you to people that, that, that you can add to them and that they can add to you. And then He'll say to you, you know, that person you should stay away from. That person you should not fellowship with because they're going to take you contrary to your call. Contrary to your calling. So not only did He create us, He, um, um, he made our bodies. Because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19-20. through 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Who is in you? Say with me, the Holy Spirit lives Spirit. lives in me. Amen. Whom you have from God and you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. See, so he lives in us. And that's why sometimes we feel in our conscience a wounding or sadness when we are out of order, out of divine order. The Holy Spirit moves in us and He reminds us, my son, my daughter, you're out of order. And so you feel it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is touching your spirit. He's speaking to your spirit. He's letting you know that's not what you were created for. That's not what you were created to do. Hallelujah. And since the Holy Spirit made us, He knows who you are, as well as our uniqueness, our abilities, gifts, perspectives, tendencies. He knows us better than we know ourselves. In Psalms 139, 14, He said, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. I was wonderfully made. I was fearfully made. There was great respect and honor that was bestowed when God made me. So say to your neighbor, hey, I'm wonderfully made. You've got to respect me. I'm unique. Come on, say it. I'm unique. When they made me, they broke the mold. Well, many people say that as a joke, but in reality, God made you unique. He thought about you so specifically. He gave you even a way to identify you individually. Right now, um, our our scientific field has been able to identify that and they can find you out out of hundred million based on your DNA, based on your fingerprints, based on your unique eye. Uh, I guess I, the way your eyes and, and the capillaries inside of the eyes are formed, they can actually uh, decipher that it is you in the midst of one hundred million. That's the care that God made in, when, or rather the, the care that God took when He made you. Hallelujah. So point to your neighbor you're unique you're special God took time to create you you're special amen and you are God took time to make you He thought about you thought about your name He thought about your uh, when He would place you in history the benefit you would be to humanity His relationship with you as long as you live in life He, you know, he thought about the relationship He'd have with you in life that blows me away. It was so important for him to enjoy you know, this earth and to enjoy humans that he thought about you specifically. He says, I'm going to enjoy my relationship with my son. I'm going to enjoy my relationship with my daughter. Wow. And I know they're going to fail. I know they're going mis- to make mistakes. I know they're going to fall, but I'm going to be with them. I'm going I'm I'm to create a way where I can always be with them. So they could know that, that even though they might make a mistake, they might miss it, they might get out, I'll be there with them. Uh, Heavenly Father will be there with them. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to promise them I'll never leave them nor forsake them. I will be their God and they shall be my sons and daughters," said the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Why do we need a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, He is God. He's God. So you need a personal relationship with Almighty God. Number two, He made us. He formed us, so since He formed us, He knows best who we are and what we should be doing. So we should get advice from Him. We should get direction from Him. Number three, the Holy Spirit knows the Word because He's the one that spoke it to the writers of the Bible. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So He's actually the author of the Word. So you want to know about the Word? Ask the Holy Spirit to give you insight concerning His Word. And the Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit. So it's His sword. In Ephesians 6, 17 and 18. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. His sword. And He gives us the sword so that we might not just fight, but so that we might defeat any and all of our enemies. Next one is the Holy Spirit will also bring you into seasons of training and warfare to prepare you for ministry. Notice this, Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now that that messed with my theology a couple of years ago. When I read it and I understood it, Jesus wasn't in the wilderness and praying and seeking His Father and suddenly the devil just showed up. Jesus was led by the Father into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Because he had to be tempted in all areas as a man and he had to defeat the enemy in all areas so he could be the perfect representative, human represented for us. Because all of us failed in all these areas. He tempted him with the lust of the eyes, pride of life, lust of the flesh. He tested them with with greed, with power. He tested them in those moments when we are, uh, um, how can I say, when we are uh, anxious, uh, sometimes we'll tend to do the wrong things. He was tempted in all those areas. Every single area that humans can be tempted with, he was tempted. And the Spirit of God led him there. But here's what happened. The Spirit of God will also lead us into areas that will be for our benefit. And we'll struggle through that, we'll fight through that, and we'll need the Holy Spirit's help. Even there, if you notice, when, he went, when Jesus went through all the temptation, the angels came and ministered to him. So as a human, he needed God's help. He needed divine intervention. He needed the angels' help. He needed the Holy Spirit's help. So there are times, unbeknownst to you, angels came and helped you. There were times in your most, the, 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 the most difficult times, angels were there. Maybe nudging somebody to come and help you. Maybe maybe the Holy Spirit gave you the, the strength you needed just to overcome that moment. Why? Because you cried out to Him. But many times we make this mistake, we do it on our own. We don't invite the Holy Spirit to help us. So the Holy Spirit being a gentleman, He will not kick in until we help, or rather we ask Him for help. Many times he'll just say, okay, my son and daughter still need to learn a certain situation within this. I'm going to let them go through that difficult moment because they need to understand um, the vicissitudes of life. Today you have everything, tomorrow everything could be taken away. So you need to see what is truly important in life. When we depend upon money or power or jobs, you know, those things will come and bite us each and every time, sooner or later. When we depend on friends, they'll fail us each and every time. We need to understand that our relationship with God needs to be the foundation for which we do everything else and interface. So when we have a relationship with a friend or family member or at work or co-labor or our supervisors and they fail us, our strength of our relationship with God will help us to deal with that. But if you totally depend on him or her or the job or this and that and it fails you, you don't have nowhere to fall down. You don't have nowhere to go to be brought back up again. I'm, I'm not getting any amens right now. Could it be that some of us are depending on things? I, did, I got my bank account, I got a, a nice amount in that Hey, that stuff tomorrow might disappear. I got a beautiful car. Hey, that car might leave you. <laughs> right in the worst times. I know, I've been there. I know what it is. My car left me flat in the Bronx. In a very challenging area of the Bronx. Two in the morning, New Year's Day. When we were all tired, ready to go home, and we were tired, we were full, we had a great time. Two in the morning in a place where there were no lights. And suddenly I go, eh. I say, eh, eh. eh. You don't go eh, eh now. Well yeah, it did. Stopped. And I looked at my wife. and My three children were small at that time. And I looked at the area. I said, all right. And we didn't have cell phones at that time. So I, I went, okay. For a moment, I looked and I observed. The wise man observes and learns. And the wise man said, you piece of junk. I'm selling you and get me a better car. <laughs> and you know what happened? This gentleman came in all greasy and grimy. Walking with a, you know, with an attitude. And I said, "Okay, here it goes. I'm looking for something, you know, a, a bat, something. I, I, I'm not going to go down without a fight, you know. And, and I'm sure my wife's coming right behind me. Well, I'm hitting him in the front; she's going behind. It. Bam! <laughs> we're not going <we're> to, not going <laughs> to give up. We're going to tag team that guy. <laughs> so he comes over and then knocks on the window. What's your problem? My uh, problem is my car's broken down. Open up the the front. I went, okay." Think, so I open up the front area. exposes. your car's messed up. I'll be right back. He came with his car and took us to our house. Don't judge, don't judge a book by its cover. Wow. I'm looking at that guy. Could an it could have been an angel. I don't know. I just know that he didn't look like one. <laughs> at least, at least the ones that I formed in my mind. The weirdest things have happened to me. But God has always ministered at times of my greatest needs. Above and beyond my natural ability. So that's just one of many. But the, the Spirit of God is in you. See, the Spirit of God was with us there. He, he sensed my fear at the moment, my trepidation. My God, what do I do now? Oh, by the way, it was cold. Very cold. So what happens when cars turn off? Yeah. It was a bad scenario and God ministered to us in that very difficult scenario. So, next one. So he brings us into times of change when one season is over and another one is beginning because he's taking you on a journey. It's not just for you, but it's also he wants to strengthen you uh, so that you could do ministry, so you can help other people, be a benefit to other people. So as long as you journey with Him, He's going to bring you to places of change. Dr. Bernard w- one time said this, and he's, he's said this often. He says, change is essential. When it's time to change, to not change can be destructive. And some of us, we get into our, our, our little, I don't know, our, our little cave. We enjoy it. We enjoy this comfort. And we don't want to break out. Yeah. We don't want to break out. But to not break out when you have to break out can be very dangerous and destructive. We, you all heard the story of, of the butterfly. The butterfly was a cap- uh, cap- caterpillar that went through a metamorphosis inside a cocoon. But when it was time to fully manifest the change, that butterfly had to struggle through a process to break that cocoon. And in the process of breaking the cocoon, the blood uh, filled, engorged uh, its little flying apparatus, right, and the wings came out uh, and, and they became strong in the struggle. And one, one guy one time was seeing a butterfly in formation or trying to break out and he opened up the cocoon for the butterfly. But the butterfly hadn't finished the job of breaking through so the blood had not engorged the little veins inside the wings. So the butterfly fell and never flied. It was never, never able to fly so it died right there. So the guy trying to help that butterfly in its struggle actually took away the very thing that was going to make it strong and robust for flight. So, we're going to go through changes. And, and, you know, we hate changes, we hate struggle, we hate problems, but yet those are the very things that, that, that cause your, your muscles to, to become strong and, and your body to be resistant. Hallelujah. It causes you emotionally to grow up and, and, and to become strong. So, uh, I love what Dr. Larry Kefauver. He's one of the uh, editors of Ministry Today. I had an opportunity to, to meet him, great man. And, The man is just a walking wisdom, book of wisdom. But he said this uh, a couple of years ago uh, about change. In Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. The word new is Kadesh. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Kadesh means new, fresh, changed from something old to something new the Holy Spirit gave us a new song He will give us a new spirit make His mercies new every morning and make us new creations in Christ, the Holy Spirit He'll give us brand new, say with me, brand new new. say to your neighbor, I am new in Christ Christ. Christ. hallelujah hallelujah, say to your neighbor have patience with me I am still in formation I'm I'm in process I haven't arrived yet I'm getting better every day, but I'll make mistakes, but just get over it and continue walking with me, because you're going to make mistakes too, and i have to deal with you too. (laughs) Change requires new perspectives, plans, process, and people. The process of change involves tribulations, trials, testing, patience, perseverance, endurance, strength, character, and hope in God. The Holy Spirit will help you with all of those. I tried out a new, a new uh, program. And it's, it's a Mac program. I know you'd love it. I just put on one of these little ear thingies and I just speak into the program. And it types for me. But it's good. It's like Dragon, it's like Dragon but it's, it's the Mac version. Yeah. Wow. And it works well, except every once in a while. So you might have one or two little mistakes but it helped me because i had to do a lot of writing but this time i didn't have to do a lot of writing so as i'm speaking this i'm saying you know process of change is hard and we really need the holy spirit so the first point change requires new perspectives and plans process and people so you're going to get new people around you new processes new plans new perspectives Change demands focus. To refuse to be distracted. That's not easy because there's a lot of things that distract us today. I have tried to analyze my time. How I use my time during the week. And I find email many times tends to be a big distraction. Telephone. People trying to get stuff to me. It's a very big distraction. And so when I want to study something in the scriptures or message, you know I find? Many times my mind wants to wander to the email. And I'll go into it, then I'll catch myself. It's, Dude, what are you doing there? And I'm like, Ooh. does it happen to you? Yes. And then you, ca- then you suddenly wake up say, what in the world? I don't care that they want to sell me the greatest secret since the beginning of time. Oh, because they're all the greatest secrets. The three little secrets that nobody knows. But today, I'm sending you alone, out of the 6 billion people in the world, an email. Although I don't know you. Or, I want to give you, I want to hand over to you, 90 million dollars. Just because. Anybody here got the gift yet? How come I haven't seen it on the tithe? The 90 billion dollar tithe is 9 billion dollars. That's a scam. That stuff is a scam, and and I hope all of you know that already. So, we have several things. Focus is important when you're changing. You know why? You have to identify what are your change limiters. What are the things that hinder you from changing? It's very, very vital that you see it so that you can identify it and begin the process of change. I am happy to report to you. I think it was four or five months ago. I told you I was going to start typing. Not like this. Remember that? Remember I told you? Right now, I'm no longer doing this. Right now, I'm doing this. That's right. That's right. You can give me a hand. I'm proud. Mavis Beacon is very proud of me. That $10 program has done me very, very well. I go like that. And when I make a mistake, immediately I can correct it without looking. And I found this. The other day, I went back to my... I tried, and I felt uncomfortable. I said, oh, I don't like this anymore. I like this better. Do, 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 do. So I'm around 25 good words a minute. If I go very fast, I'll make a lot of mistakes, I can go to 40. But I'm working the process. And I've identified some of my tendencies to want to go back. I want to stop. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this till I learn this. And here's what I realized. I realized, and I learned this not so long ago. It was exciting to me. The more things you learn, the more languages you learn, the more... Concepts, mathematical concepts you learn. I'm about, I'm about ready to blow your mind right now. The more of these abstract things you learn, the greater it will be for your overall recollection. Because your brain forms dendrites and connects to different rooms in your head. These rooms obviously are hundreds of billions of uh, little memorization areas. Right? Yes. But sometimes... Uh, How many of you have difficulty remembering remembering names? I have that problem. But here's the issue. When you were a child, your brain wasn't trained to focus on names. Whatever your brain chooses to focus on, it will remember. I was was taught to remember geography. Every weekend, my dad would take us upstate and I would see roads. and And for whatever reason, I got interested in learning geography. So today, my brain automatically... Picks up anything geographical. So I can get to places once and I'll remember them. I don't have to think about it. Automatically my brain will think about it. My wife, she loves numbers. Sometime as a child, her brain was was given the command, learn numbers. So she can see a number once and already remember it. Some people automatically think names. So since you don't automatically remember names, you have to actually focus when a person gives you a name. What is your name? Albert, oh nice. I don't think about it. So, as soon as I went that way, I forgot the guy's name. It's not that I forgot it, I never really remembered it. So, now since I know that, I now have to retrain my brain. What's your name? Albert. 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 I could say pal, pal, al. Pal, al. Okay, next time I see you, pal, al. Oh, al. Yeah. But I have to train, retrain my brain. There was a guy named Pat. Huh? Pat, how do I remember Pat? So he, he, had, he had a nice size forehead. So I looked at his forehead. No, I'm just, I'm just thinking, we all have uniqueness. Do you have something that, that, that is a little more than others? You know, well, he had a little, little larger forehead. So I went, so I saw myself patting his forehead. So every time I went up to him, I would go, dot ta, tat ta, dot ta. dot. So I was saying, how are you doing? Uh, Pat, how are you? But you know, I said it inside here. I never manifested that. I never really hit him in the head. You understand? So, but here's the beauty about it. When you, uh, when you tell your brain, okay, I give you permission now to focus on this area, it starts forming more connections. Yeah. When you learn a language, it forms more connections. Yes. When you do these things that take diff- puzzles and that, it forms more connections. So in forming more connections, now you remember things easier because now your brain has more connections to play with. Oh, it's too hard to learn. No, no, break that because that is going to give you a more overall uh, ability to remember things quickly, whether it be geography, whether it be numbers, whether it be um, uh, names, concepts that you learn, uh, Bible verses. Hello, hello. Because you got to memorize those also, right? I just gave you something that if you go to a psychiatrist or therapist, or whatever, that might cost you $1,000 to learn. So you guys owe me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So that's exciting to me. So I'm going to learn more because I realize my brain isn't a real small little thing. It's infinite. There are infinite amount of connections I can make up there. God gave me this beautiful tool and I'm going to use it. I'm going to use more and more and more of it. So I'm going to learn Spanish again because I need it because they want me to go next month. But I have to do it. And I'm giving my brain permission to do it. I'm giving my brain permission to learn again. In my 50s, I'm giving permission to my brain to learn more and more. Amen. Say to your neighbor, it's time amen. to give permission to, your, to, to yourself to change and to grow and to evolve and to expand. Come on, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will give you these, these times of expansion so that you can be more beneficial in the areas of your service. Praise God. Amen. So it demands focus. So fix your eyes on Jesus who authors and finishes your faith. Change precipitates a fight. You'll have a fight within you and you'll have a fight with others. Nothing is easy in our faith walk except his yoke, which implies both work and his presence empowering us to do his work. You know what a yoke is? A yoke is something that they put a a, a large ox, an experienced ox, and he's working the field. He's used to it. So he put like a wood connection and then then it's like a harness and it yokes a younger ox to the older ox. So as the older ox is working and plowing the land, the younger ox is just working with him. The older ox is doing all the work, but the younger ox is looking. He's looking. So after a while, he gets into the flow and learns. When we yoke onto Jesus, he's done the work already. So while we're with him, his yoke and his burden are light to us. It lightens the load of life. It lightens the load of ministry. So that's why he said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But... When we are learning and growing, there's a fight. Make no mistakes about it. There's a fight inside of you. There's a fight in in current relationships. When you grow, some of your friends are going to get angry at you. When you evolve and you want to go to college or you want to do something for the Lord, the first ones many times that are going to criticize you is your own family. And you have to be okay with that, but you also have to know it's going to be a fight. You might get hurt. You might get wounded or whatever it may be. Keep on going with it because change is going to be a blessing, not just to you, but it'll be also a blessing to your family and to those that you serve. Change requires follow through and finishing the job. Paul wrote how he maintained his focus by keeping his faith and fighting a good fight and finishing the race. Follow through. Say with me, follow follow through. Serving God is not just showing up on a Sunday. There is a follow-through. There is a Monday relationship, a Tuesday relationship, a Wednesday relationship. It's an ongoing, everyday relationship with Almighty God. Every day we should be praying. And prayer to us should not be a hard thing. It should not be a formal thing. It should be uh, like me talking with my wife. I say, hon, how was your day today? Are you okay? Can I help you? you know, that, Lord, I, I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for this precious day. I ask for your wisdom in this day. What about this situation, Lord? It should be an ongoing dialogue. There shouldn't be an amen to your prayer. It should be continual. That's why it says pray without ceasing. It's not saying that 24 hours a day you got to see that person. What's the matter with you? I'm praying. Come on, man. That's, that's, That's weird. That's just plain weird. But, you know, in your heart, you should have that open, ongoing dialogue with the Holy Spirit because He lives within you. Change involves others. The key word here is team. You must have a commitment from other saints to change with you. This requires the support group of friends, not just colleagues or associates, people who agree with you and will go with you. I will add also sometimes your growth re- requires somebody antagonistic to you. And the reason why they're antagonistic to you is because you don't like them because they're sh- sh- uh, focusing on things that you're not good at. For example, your supervisor that job that keeps on telling you why you're getting to, to work late every day. Why is this about your job? You were supposed to do this on time. Why didn't you finish? Why didn't you do the deadline? You don't like people like that. They're antagonistic towards you. But yet, those are good towards your growth because they're highlighting things in you that need growth. Again, nobody's saying amen. 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 Maybe this message is not for you. Maybe it's for the church down the road. No, I think the fact that you're going, ah, I think it's for you. Amen. Uh, you ever had anybody work you don't like too much? <laughs> what about your parents all over you in that, that situation, huh? What about your husband or wife? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you never do this. You never do this. Don't exaggerate. I did it last month. Come on. <laughs> but yet there's an element of truth to it. So what do we do? Uh, finally we embrace it and we change. Sometimes we change for them, not for ourselves. And after we change, then we like to change. I got, I got no amens here. Yeah, exactly. But it's true, sometimes you change because you don't want to hear their mouth anymore. Or you don't want to get fired. And yet after you change, you go, you know, this was good. I didn't see what they were trying to tell me. I'm in trouble today. Everybody's looking at me with the malocchio, you know, they're like... "Uh, like, uh, uh." All right, change demands faith. Hope and love, all three. These three spirit empowered forces are the only lasting change agents within us and in culture. Faith, you gotta have faith. You gotta have faith in His Word, faith in the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You have to have hope. Hope is that positive attitude. I know things are difficult, but I know my God said that my latter will be better than my former. So even though I'm in this situation now, I know the change is on its way. And ultimately, you know, God's going to take me out of this. It might not be this very moment, but he's going to take me out on time. I mean, how many years did did, uh, Joseph have to live as a servant and then he had to live in prison, I think for two years before he he ever became a prime minister? I mean, I'm sure he he would look up to heaven and say, God, how long? You promised me. You showed me in dreams. God had given him a picture of who he would be in the future. That people would be bowing to him and and acknowledging that he's some form of important dignitary in the future. And yet he's in prison. Amazing. You might be going through what you're going through, but that's the doorway uh, to your greater self, to your greater influence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Change pushes us into his presence. It pushes us. I mean, difficulty pushes you to the place of prayer. Sometimes that's the only thing that does. Sometimes you won't pray until you're in the midst of uh, the difficult place. So, so change many times pushes us into His presence and ceaseless prayer. As God does His new thing in us and through us, we use uh, through us, we we will find ourselves always praying and hungering continually for His presence. Change. Starts now. So say to your neighbor, change is starting now. now. I'm going to start identifying that change. I'm going to start partnering with that change because God wants to take me to that place. Everything in nature grows and becomes great. We're the only ones many times that choose not to. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit gives us power for living. We need power. He's in you. The power anointing is already in you. The Holy Spirit gives us strength when we are weak. And He gives us boldness when we are shy. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom. So do you need wisdom? He lives in you. The Spirit of wisdom lives in you. So ask Him for wisdom. He will give it to you. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of wisdom. He's also creative. And you're creative. So partner, tap into that creativity. You're thinking in the box. God wants to take you outside of the box. He wants to expand you. He wants to bring you to different areas of influence. He wants to expand you and need, He needs your creativity to come alive in this day. We need your creativity. The Holy Spirit gave us, gave us gifts to benefit and bless others. His words are your weapons. His pictures, the visions and dreams, are the confirmation of your greater future. Is the Holy Spirit showing you stuff? Is the Holy Spirit showing your potential? Well, visit that future. Get in there. Don't stay in your present self. Get out of your present self. Go into that future and wear those new clothing. Get into that new responsibility (laughs) and come back to your present and say, okay, I'm excited now so let me start the process. Because God always finishes the process first, takes a picture of it, then shows you in your present so you can work toward that process. Learn to lean on and trust and respect the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Since the Holy Spirit is a person, He has feelings. The Holy Spirit has moods. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30 Don't cause the Holy Spirit sorrow by the way you live. Remember, He's the one who marks you and another version says seals you. Marks you to be present on that day when salvation from sin will be complete. Stop being mean, bad-tempered, angry, quarreling, harsh words, dislike of others. You have no place in your lives. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. So let's not, let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's not have bad attitudes. Let's shun that behavior that we used to have in the past. And let's flow the way the Holy Spirit would have us flow in this day so that many could come to saving faith in Christ. And it says, be not drunk with wine in Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Yes. How? Well, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submit yourselves one another to one another in the fear of God. So that's how we get filled with the Spirit of God, reading His words, studying His words, singing, worshiping respecting each other, giving thanks to God always in all things. He's not saying there that thank Him for all things and enjoy them because, you know, the difficult place, you're not going to enjoy it. But thank God that even though you're in the difficult place, He's working something in you. So Father, I thank you that even though I'm going through this difficult time, I know you're with me and you're teaching me something. So Lord, show me and help me. Uh, Don't take me out of it, but show me. Help me to grow in this process that when I come out, I will come out as shining gold. Hallelujah. Colossians 1, 24 and 29. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you in the word of God in its fullness. He was talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am the servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, Paul said. But notice this. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. What is the mystery? To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was hidden to the Old Testament saints. They did not know that the Spirit of God would come on earth and indwell believers. It was a mystery in Christ hidden in Christ but now it's been disclosed to us that was a mystery but now and even the world doesn't understand it now it's still a mystery to them but to us it's God with us God in us